Warning. What you're about to hear is born of long years of deep friendship, shared experience, brutal honesty, and the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Please do not walk up to the first black or white person you know and start this sort of banter. It will not end well. Welcome to Racial Heresy, the show where two Episcopal priests, one black, one white, attempt to violate the established racial doctrines of American culture and provoke you to do the same. Allow me to introduce Father Jabel Ballantine a black nationalist loving, one love listening. I warned you Trump was going to win, but you didn't listen to me spouting priest, husband, father, friend, and all around good Negro. And allow me to introduce Father Case Ramey, an American dreaming, lift every voice and singing, going to Africa, slave castle touring, reluctantly bold, priest, husband, father, friend, and all around high quality cracker. How you doing today, brother? I am doing well, sir. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Oh, I'm just man, so happy you know, I, I just want the folks out there to know that you went over to Africa last week, over to Ghana, to the motherland, uh, and, and they That's let right. you come beat back, you man. They, they, yeah, you That's... beat me too. <laughs> the white man beat the black man to Africa, um, and my people let him come back and, and impart his wisdom upon us. So, you know, we're going to unpack that later. We got a whole lot to talk about on this Africa trip. And, uh, so there's going to be shows and shows to come. Cause I mean, he went to a slave right. castle and, and, and no, they did not put him on a plantation and he did not have to get uh, into the bottom of a boat, but he got on an no, airplane no. and came back. So we're glad to have you back, brother. Um, and Thank we're, uh, cause it would be hard to do this show without you because you are the reluctantly bold one, you know? Uh, That's right. That's you know, right. we, we, all the <laughs> dragging you kicking and screaming into this work of racial reconciliation and um and to to help us in that i wanted to bring on a mentor of mine a new brother of mine steve olsher steve is known as america's reinvention expert you can listen to his podcast reinvention radio you can go to his site steve olsher that's o-l-s-h-e-r steve olsher.com and you can find out all about him he has a book down there for you a free book that we're going to end up talking about so you're probably going to want to download that pdf book what is your what it is a bestseller but now you know he, he sold so many of them i guess he just loves to give them away now so <laughs> you know but he's going to charge us he's been kicking me in the ass um you know i like to tell you know there's always like a white man behind everything a black man does <laughs> and, he, and he was the one that kind of spurred me along and kicked me in the ass he was like you got to do this blacks with power thing you know don't don't be shy mm. about it so you know because he kicked me in the ass so well i wanted to come and kick you in the ass brother so that you can so i can stop dragging you because you're bigger than me man and i don't want to be dragging That's you right. forever Right. And as well as kicking the church in the ass, too. Yes, the church has an ass. Uh, so, Steve, how you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, geez, man, there, there are so many memes I could make out of just that right there, that <laughs> intro. It's like, it's gold. It's pure racial gold. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful, man. Yeah, he, he is good for finding the gold. And, and, and you all will see the blacks with power, um, um, the, 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 the micro fro. That's what, that's the phrase that he gave me, the, the, the micro fro. If you see the logo, blackswithpower.com, uh, Steve was like, man, I like this. That's, you need to have micro fros everywhere. And so we're going to start getting some <laughs> micro fro hats and shirts and whatnot and some stickers nice. for y'all and some racial, uh, some racial heresy advisory labels for you to put everywhere so that people know not to mess with you on this racism stuff but you know steve we are we are delighted to have you on the show today uh because you know racial reconciliation work is touchy work you know racial reconciliation work 
people are usually timid about it. You know, a lot of us are passionate about it, and we're passionate about it for for ourselves. Um, and 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 your th- whole thing about what is your what is identifying your what, which isn't isn't a new thing, but living into it, boldly living into it. And when Case and I was talking earlier, you know, we're going to ask you about your faith a little later, right? But, you know, um, you use a lot of our church language all throughout your stuff, you know? It's like it's like finding your calling, identifying your calling, and living into your calling, you know? It's like Scripture says, Paul says, walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And that's pretty much what you're saying in what is your what, right? It is, man. Yeah, you know, I... Look, the best way that I can put it is that there's a lot of confusion about the why versus what. We can certainly talk about that. But to me, I mean, your what is really in your DNA. It really reflects who you inherently are. And as as I say, I do believe that your what has chosen you and it's not that which you have chosen. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that it. I mean, I could preach a sermon on that, right, Case? We don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, now, so here's the deal, right? So we're clear about about why you uh, saw the value in, in bringing Steve on board. And, and we're a little clear of why maybe I didn't see the value, but you hear I that certainly had the need. You hear, that, you hear that reluctant right. boldness right there? I'm, I think <laughs> right. I'm clear I, on. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, we were, we, the thing we were clear with me is that I needed Steve to come on board, right? That <laughs> I need some boldness, right? My idea of boldness, right. As far as racial reconciliation, sometimes is sending an email to 20 people instead of only sending it to six, right? <laughs> So that like I need some work on that. So we know why we know why we invited Steve on board. Um, I, I just I want to kind of start and ask Steve, why did you say yes? Like what 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 brought you to agree to, to this this racial yeah. racial heresy uh, expedition here? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm 47 years old. Uh, I grew up uh, in an environment that uh, was a very mixed environment. Right. So the high school that I went to. Uh, was about 45% white, 45% black, and then, you know, other in the in the bottom 10 there. And so, you know, reality for me, man, is, you know, I graduated in uh, 1987. So that's, you know, it's 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I honestly think things are, are potentially worse now uh, than they were 30 years ago, right? So, I mean, so this whole conversation to me is very, very pertinent. And, you know, when you got, you know, folks like LeBron James, who, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, he's a hero to so many of us in so many ways. You you see what goes on at his house, man. People spraying the N word on his house in 2017. It's like, we, we need to have a dialogue about this. And frankly, I don't think, I mean, I love you guys, man. and, And I love the work that you're doing. But we could talk to a just blue in the face, man, and I just don't know how we get things to change. So that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. You. you know, it's it, it, I, I love that last piece about not knowing how to get things to change, and that's one of the frustrations for 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 myself as as a, as a priest in the church. It's like you know, the church in my mind should be that space where we can have these discussions and really bring things closer into alignment with the kingdom of God and all this flowery stuff that we talk about, right? But it's like we are so timid 
about talking about it. I, I was telling Case the other day that, you know, I was told by by, by my diocese that I was too polarizing because I, I, I scare white people, you know, and, and scare white people. And then I told some of the some of the white clergy that I know, and they were like, you don't scare me. What do they mean? And it's like, you know. Right, I, no, you scare, you scare some white people, right? And, and that's the thing, man. It's like, and it's just like anything else. I mean, I, I do believe that in, no matter what you're doing, whether it's from the pulpit or your priest, I mean, whatever, your writer, whatever you whatever you are doing you need to be polarizing right because at the end of the day there's no life in the middle right you know reality is you want people to line up on either side of you they're going to love you or they're going to hate you but the most important thing is damn they just need to know that you were here right. and if you're not polarizing that's not going to happen Right. And, you know, it's funny. We have some scripture that speaks to that, too. You know, and in Revelation, it says, you know, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you are Mm. lukewarm, I spew you from my mouth. You know, it's like Mm. like you said, there's no life in the middle. You know, like what what are we doing there? You know, and and the church is very good at living in the middle. You know, I don't want to offend anybody because I got, you know, I got Black Lives Matter people on one side and Blue Lives Matter people on the other side. I got Republicans on one side, Democrats on the other side, and I don't want to piss anybody off. So I'm going to just stay right here in lukewarm land and, and think that there's mm-hmm. going to be some life in the middle. Right. So 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 yeah. so that that that's. Brothers and sisters, that's why we wanted Steve on there because, you know, Steve is good for kicking you in the ass and, and, and making you really understand why there's no point in you. You are no good to anyone living in the middle, right? And so when we talk about, you know, racial reconciliation, that's what we say is the what, you know? Like you, what Steve does a lot in his book helps you to have some worksheets to help you identify what your what is, right? So, so go through some exercises to order to figure out what is calling you? What actually speaks to you? Uh, but we're going to cut to the chase on all of that. You know, that's another day. You can go to his website. You can listen to his podcast, and he'll walk you through those steps. But we're just take it from the black man and the white man with the collar. I don't have my collar on today, but just take it from us that the what of the church is, you know, liberation and reconciliation, right? That that Amen. the job of the Amen. church is to, to free people from oppress- oppressive systems, oppressive relationships, oppressive environments, and to reconcile them to that which is life-giving, to reconcile them to that which is beautiful, which is praiseworthy. So we're going to establish that as the what. If you disagree, you feel free to disagree. Put it in the comment box, and we'll go back and forth on that. But that's the premise that we are running with, that the what of the church is to liberate people to, and to reconcile them. So... From yeah. that Can we have yeah. a dialogue about that, though? Oh. Yeah, let's, sure. oh, I let's mean, go. Push back. Be, push back. Go. Because I mean, because reality is, look, man, it, you know, as you say and as you preach, you know, it, it really does start. The idea is to start from the pulpit and share that message and share that, I, if you will, that idyllic uh, scenario of all people being equal and having this. A world where oppression doesn't exist and so on and, you know, welcoming people with open arms. But let's be honest. I mean, even the church itself doesn't rec- doesn't recognize and welcome everyone with open arms. So, I mean, isn't that a bit hypocritical to use that as the church's what when yet you look at the things that they say yes to and the things that they say no to? How does I mean, and I'm not trying to play, you know, a host here on the show, but, you know, with you guys, I mean, you're both coming from different perspectives, but you both stand on the pulpit. I mean, how do we reconcile one message which completely conflicts 
with the overall what, as you put it. But the way we behave, hypocrisy in the church. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Heaven you, forbid. No, you nailed it. I mean, that, you absolutely nailed it. And and part of, um, I don't know, I think part of the challenge, uh, part of the life is um, the, the church as a human um, as well as divine entity. I mean, the church is, is made up of, of broken and, um, and imperfect beings. Like, we're never going to get there. Now, that's, that's a little bit of cop-out if that's where we stop, right? Uh-huh. That we're never going to get there. Um, I, 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 when Jabrell and I were talking and, and I was watching your videos and reading through blogs and stuff like that, I was thinking about, like, where, where do we go with the expertise um, and feeling like, you know, the church has, has, has identified and has worked over, over hundreds, you know, a couple thousand years even, to get to this idea of of what we can be and what we even should be and what while the idyllic vision is still a vision the 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 core of who the church is right the core of who we believe god to be and the core of who we believe christ is in this world alive and active is setting people free and that has to be at the center of our efforts or from our perspective, from the church's perspective, we're lost. Now, I mean, it's important that we that we acknowledge that that we fall short of that, right? That 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 what is still our goal, and we're still working towards it, um, and we're nowhere near where we need to be uh, to get to it. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that if we hold that out as 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 the the target, and and maybe you can help us refine that language, right? How do we think about that as as something to live into and an end goal, um, that, that the boldness and the boldness of action will get us closer to that vision every day. Yeah. And, you know, to piggyback off of that, off of that, you know, for me, I tell people all the time, the church is the new scribes and Pharisees. You know, we, you know, we are standing in the way of, of liberation because we 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 love having our vaunted position as part of the state, whatever state we're a part of, you know. And so we only mm-hmm. want to do as much as will placate the masses. And I don't want to sound too much like Karl Marx, but there was some truth in what Marx said, you know, that religion is the opioid of the masses. Like we keep people pacified, you know, in order to support whatever hypocrisy, whatever nonsense we see. And so, yeah, the church, I say all the time, the Episcopal church, you know, our branding says the Episcopal church welcomes you unless you are this or that or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 And part of it, I think, and one of the reasons I was so excited to have you is part of it is that timidity, that timidity that, you know, me from the pulpit, youth case from the pulpit, whoever priest from the pulpit, doesn't want to speak to the hypocrisy because if I do, you might leave, your money might leave, my income might leave, my job might leave, and now I have nothing to do because I'm a seminary trained individual yeah. and there's no good. What do I do with a seminary degree if I'm not in the church? So I got to let yeah, bygones be bygones. Yeah, and there's a, there's a fine line, and I get that, man. There's There's a fine line between saying what it is that you believe people need to hear in order to stay a part of what you you know what it is that you are doing and refer other people into that community and 
the line of really just saying this is who we are, this is what we stand for, and again, taking that polarizing stance, and this church may not be right for you, and yeah, you may have been a big donor last year, but reality is I am compromising on my principles. I have heard you talk, you know, in the cafeteria. I have heard you talk to other people at our outings and whatnot, and I have looked past that because of my faith. I have looked past that because I know X, Y, and Z, right? But reality is at some point, even us, I mean, you guys are leaders. You are leaders of communities. You have to lead by example. And when you see that, I mean, maybe that is one of the things that we can do. Maybe that is one of the first steps that can be taken. Right. Right. And so so that's why, you know, holding that out, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. The church is full of hypocrisy. But what we're saying is the what of the church is to liberate and reconcile, to liberate people and reconcile them with something that is beautiful, something that is heavenly, something that is divine. Steve, you know, you, you challenged with the, the hypocrisy of the church, really, and calling it out. And, and, and maybe, maybe Jabril and I have, have been too quick to say that the church, right, as, a, as an institution, as a body, has this what that they've identified. And maybe it's that that should be the what, but that's not. Um, and I wonder if you've got some thoughts about the distinction between, you know, a, a what that's been identified sort of within a community of people and a what that individuals within that community need to hold on to and how how that that distinction. Yeah. And so just so we're clear, when I talk about what is your what the the what is your what framework is really all about understanding what your core gift is, the vehicle that you will use to share that gift and then the people that you are most compelled to serve. And so it's the combination of the gift, which is in I your see, DNA. That's why I said, you know, it's really chosen you. It's not that which you have chosen. The vehicle and the people. That's what makes up the what is your what framework. And so whether it's working with corporations or in this case a church or individuals, it's really, if you think about it from this standpoint, it's the it's what you were created to do. Right. That's mm-hmm. the easiest way to think about it, right? So for an individual... And even for a church, for a corporation, it is organic, it is evolving, but the core gift really stays consistent throughout, right? right. So if the if the if the gift of the individual, let's say for you guys, it, maybe it's communicating, maybe it's teaching, maybe it's healing, whatever that core gift is that you guys have individually, and then the vehicle that you use is obviously you know the pulpit right i mean it's it's through mm-hmm. the through the church and then the people that you're most compelled to serve that actually might be the best place to start because i think that if you are clear on the people that the church is most compelled to serve you'll then be able to find those people and complement your gifts in a way that allows you to really thrive and not fight this uphill battle Right. Right. Because I think that when you look at most churches, they and temples or, or, you know, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Any any house of worship, they create something that is based upon the general principles of what it is they they think, you know, they are they're supporting and they're teaching and they're looking to expand the gospel about. And so maybe it is time for the church to look at things on an individualized basis. In terms of this house of worship serves these people and you define who those people are and people will self-select. They'll raise their hand and they'll say, yeah, this is for me or it's not. 
And so, you know, and I think it really does boil down to perhaps even having some religious leaders amongst the, you know, the different church sects and so on, you know, sit down and maybe even rewrite that book because, you know, that that book needs to be rewritten. Let's just, I mean, let's call it what it is. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Don't Mm. touch my Bible. (laughs) 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 You know, uh, you know, the definite. Pick and choose the verses that we're okay with. Right. I mean, you're either okay with the book or you're not. Right. Right. Mm. And so you look at the different verses and there are some verses in that book that you shouldn't be okay with. The same way, you know, I mean, there are verses in pretty much every book like that that we should no longer be okay with. Right. Yeah. You know, the thing that I the thing that I do is to let people, you know, I'm orthodox, brother, I'm orthodox. So the thing that I do is I let people know all the time that um the interpretations and commentary and 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 the theology that has come out to explain that book needs to be revi- revised. You know, anytime you could say that, you know, and we're talking about racism, you know, in specific, anytime you could say that predestination, you know, that certain people are predestined for glory and certain people are predestined for hell. What in the world? Like, right. that, that's nuts. Like, there's no way that we should be holding on to that belief, that ideology, that theology anymore. If, you know, like we said, holding forward that um, that idea that it's, we should be liberating, we should be reconciling, because that's oppressive. You know, telling somebody that no matter what you do, you have been predestined for damnation because of your skin mm-hmm. color, as a for instance, because of your sexuality, mm-hmm. because of whatever your gender, whatever, whatever it is that you're predestined for damnation. That cannot be uh, what we're supposed to be believing. Um, and so so I know you had case. I know you had some other questions as well. I don't want to steal all the all, all the thunder time. Well, no, no. I, I mean, I got to, I got to ask the the one that was burning, and and now they're, I mean, they're more as they keep rolling in. I, I'm, I'm intrigued and and um, convicted by by that framework, right? I mean, using a, a whole framework for the what is your what, and and I had I had focused a little too much on the idea and lost um, lost the the completeness, the triune content that you've got there, um, and and that's important because I think I, I wonder. As you were saying that, I was wondering about how the how the church has lost that in some respects. Like, who are we here to serve? Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. And and I think for a lot of churches, we're here to serve ourselves. Yeah. And yet a doctrine of freedom, a doctrine of racial reconciliation, a, a doctrine that that draws people to God isn't about serving ourselves. Right. Yeah. That's about I mean, freedom isn't isn't just about us. Freedom involves other people. And, and especially when we think about, you know, the ways in which we say, I am not free until all of us are free. Mm. Um, you know, we're not here to serve and we've taken our gifts in lots of ways and, and turned them inwards, um, and, and lost that focus on, or, or lost that inclusion, that completeness of the picture that you've painted about, um, who we are here to serve. And and what and what vehicle to use, right? The the gift and the vehicle and the and the and the who of it all. And and when we lose one of those three, um, it all falls apart. It, it's like a tripod. Yeah, yeah, it's a tripod. Think about yeah. it like a tripod. I mean, it, you know, if you're not really leveraging your core gift, you may have the right vehicle and you may be serving the right people, but you're not serving them in the right way. Yeah. If you have the core gift clear and you have the vehicle clear, but you're serving the wrong people. 
Yeah, I mean, you're obviously going to wake up in the morning going, geez, what am I, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> you go to I bed at night this? looking at yeah. yourself in the mirror, right? Like, gee, what, why, right? I mean, then, then, of course, with the vehicle itself. So if you think about it like a tripod, I mean, you kick out any one leg of the tripod, the whole thing topples over. Right. No. You know, and it's, it's now, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Case. I would say now, now, if you, uh, it, when we do get it right, when we do get the whole tripod, right, when we get the idea that that our gift to the from the church, from our our gift to the world, right, is is this commitment to to liberation, right? That that freedom is at the heart of of this message that we want to bring, right? That that this gift is absolute acceptance and and the willingness to do the hard work of racial reconciliation, right. Mm-hmm. And and we've got some vehicles. We've identified a few, right? That we talked about the pulpit. We've got this podcast, right? As priests and as the church, we've got a bully pulpit in the in the public arena. Um, and if we keep in our minds who it is that we're meant to serve, right? The least among us, that that those whose voice isn't being heard right now, right? The the those who who Christ came on the earth to to reach out to, right? The sick who don't, you know, who know they need a doctor. All if we've got that in line. How do how do it's getting personal here, right? How do I boldly live into that, right? If if is it just is it about identifying that and holding on to it? What how do I how do I boldly live into what I think I've identified mm-hmm. as calling? Yeah, with your help. Yeah, and and I think it really does boil down to creating your own book and then comparing the two. So mm. write your own book if you were starting from scratch and what that would include. And compare it against the existing book you've been working from. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. how you that's how you boldly move forward. And that's how you boldly attract the people who believe in your book and that in combination with the book that they've been taught to be the only theology and the only, you know, guide, if you will, to how to live in our world that is going to give you an opportunity to really recreate what you believe is the right way to live in the world today and to impact not only those who share this lifetime with you, but also those of lifetimes to come. Mm. Mm. So, so, so reclaiming so, that truth. Yeah. Ahead, I was, I was, I was your going to truth. say the same thing. Yeah. Radically challenging yourself on your own beliefs. Um, yeah. and, 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 and vocally so, so that those beliefs are heard. And, and, and again, you know, that defining line that, okay, yeah, I, I believe like he believes. So, you know, case is head of this church in, in, in Virginia. I, and, and, and it's not a black church. It's a, you know, it's a mixed, little bit of mixed, but you know, majority white. And, and, you know, we believe that, yes, we should be invested in this work. Just like he says, we've heard the podcast. We, 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 we've seen what he does and we see how he lives and how he, how he lives out. And that's exactly how we believe the gospel speaks. And you attract those people who are like that, it may not be, like you said earlier, it may not be the place for those who claim to be Christian that don't believe like that, and that's okay. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, I think back to what something that you said earlier, both of you actually talked about this, um, and it made me think of this saying that's been out there, you know, the church is the only ex- organization that, that exists for those who are not its members. Um, no. But the biggest problem is, and I think this is where the timidity comes into play for the church, for people that are in the church, is like you said, Case, that we exist for ourselves now. And so I don't want to be bold because I got a good thing going here. 
You know, I, I, I know Sister Jones. I know Brother Charles. And, you know, we, we, we got a good community going here. I don't want to rock this up and, and, and mess this up. So I don't want to say anything that may piss them off. Um, I don't want to bring one too many poor people into this congregation. Uh, I don't want to bring one too many black folks in here because if you get one too many, then we're going to start to upset <laughs> this good thing that we got going on. And and, and, yeah. and I think it's because, like you said, Kate, we start to serve ourselves. And so it is identifying the entirety of that framework, not just the what, but also the vehicle that you are using um, to share that what and who you are sharing that what with and focusing on that tripod. I mean, we, we have that language too in the church, Steve, we, we call it the yeah. three legged stool, uh, mm. <laughs> but focusing, mm-hmm. we forget that language. It's good to rehear it, but focusing on, on that tripod, on those three legs and making sure that all of them are always strong, I think is what, what I'm getting from you, Steve. I think that's what helps us to break through that timidity and boldly live into that ministry of reconciliation. Did I, did I kind of yeah. learn? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And and I do think that when you, if you look at a corporation, more often than not, you will see a company motto. You will see a mission statement. You will see something that defines in a, in a very succinct way who they are, what they stand for, what they believe in, and who they serve, right? What their goal, their objectives are. So in a very succinct way, and, and maybe that's, a good place for each of you to start, you know, which is to challenge your congregation to create that one sentence mission statement, right? Mm-hmm. And let it be communal in nature where they, you know, people support what they create. And so they will recruit for what they create. And so right now, I think that's part of the issue that I'm seeing in, in a lot of these types of environments is you have one person with the doctrine who basically pushes that out, either they attract or they repel, mm. as opposed to creating this community type of uh, of doctrine that everyone builds and supports and then recruits for, right? Because that's the way I believe that you would grow a church or grow a synagogue or grow a temple or whatever it might be, is instead of it, and of course, there's always going to be someone on the pulpit who's going to be teaching and preaching and so on. But at the same token, what does that, because without the parishioners, there is no church. And so I think that that is, you know, something that we really do need to think about, which is how do we involve them more in creating the present and the future for our congregation? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it becomes it becomes a thing where, in terms of you know, because we speak we we speak to the choir, you know, people that listen to our show are invested in in racial reconciliation, you know, you're trying to yeah. beat your head trying to figure out how to get others invested in 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 the work as well, and so speaking to 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 our audience, the lesson learned is okay, identify that what, but then like you said, bring others into the co-creation process. Uh, and figure out how to message that what in a way that brings more people, a diverse cross-section of people to the table so that you can be more effective in in, in living it out. Mm-hmm. And I do also think that, uh, you know, to some extent, it is really important to think about what the life cycle is of a parishioner. In other words, 
where do you want them to go? What do you actually want them to do? You know, and, and I think that a lot of leaders don't take enough time to really figure out what that final step is on the path that you want people to take and reverse engineer it. So you move back to what happens in day one when they arrive. Mm-hmm. And we just get into this, you know, into this rut of this is who we are and this is what we do. And you either fall in line or you don't. But if you think about it more on an individualized basis, the church, the synagogues, whatever, they are all made up of individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And so what is that path that you want those individuals to, you know, to, to go down? What is the last step on that path that you really want them to take? And if you can think about it from that standpoint, I think you would really be able to you know, articulate and very much clarify what they can expect in being a part of your congregation. Right. That's a, a real challenge to our, our leadership. And it brings up uh, something from one of our other uh, our interviews. Um, uh, he talked about um, racial reconciliation as a, as a daily practice, right? I mean, if we're looking for people as part of the church to come to a place where repentance and reconciliation are, are a daily practice, how do we, we haven't accepted that that's something we want for people, right? We haven't claimed boldly that, that this is what we believe to be one of the end states of a faithful life, mm-hmm. that, that reconciliation as a daily practice is a goal of, of what a faithful a parishioner looks like of what a faithful Christian looks like. And, and, and if we don't claim that as a goal, then, then we're never going to be leading people to, to get there, right? We're never yeah. going to be inspiring people and taking the, 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 the steps to lead people and develop people who practice that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's the critical thing when we talking to to you out there listening on, on how do we um, how do we make reconciliation, racial reconciliation in particular, a, 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 a more daily part of our practice. I mean, think about it. Yeah, we've defined it as as the what. Right. And Steve, I appreciate you pushing back on that because it's real. When, when I think about it, how often is reconciliation, period, part and practice of what we do in the church. I mean, you can think about how many people that you know as a priest and I know as a priest and and, you, and, and as a parishioner, as you go to church and you go to your house of worship, how many people that you know that they'll say the peace every Sunday and they don't like each other and they will do mm. nothing to get right with each other. So if we won't, even within our own walls, have reconciliation as a practice, you know, you know, husbands and wives that that for 30 years has been sleeping in separate bedrooms and, and they come to church every Sunday and take communion every Sunday. But no and everyone knows that they sleep in separate bedrooms, but no one is compelling them that, hey, you all need to be reconciled. If we won't even do that for ourselves as a community, then how can we ever identify that and do that in terms of out there? Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, it does become the critical question. Are we, so for those of you who say, oh, I'm, I'm serious about reconciliation, are you? You know, you know how, many, how many of you have mothers that, or fathers that you don't talk to, brothers or sisters that you don't talk to and don't want anything to do with because they pissed you off one time? If, if, you're, mm. if reconciliation isn't a part of your life, in your own relationships, how will it ever be part of your uh, of your ministry of your work to the people that you claim to to serve? Um, so, yeah. and uh, you know, and look, it's interesting too because there's uh, and perhaps you've heard this expression, but there are, you know there's a, an expression out there about you know how you do anything is how you do everything. 
Right. Right. And so, you know, on one hand, if you have this this way of being and you have this belief system around, you know, X group or around something that that maybe just maybe is hypocritical to something else that you preach and something else that you teach, it's super hard for you, certainly as a leader, to step forth and say, "Eh, this is okay, but this isn't, right? And so ultimately, that is what we need to be thinking about is, are we consistent with how we do anything, which really reflects how we do everything, right? right? And so something to think about, you know, and and when you talk about reconciliation and, and racial reconciliation specifically, it's interesting to me how, you know, you still have the black churches, you still have the white churches and so on. You have very few churches that I know of that are truly interracial. Right. Right. And yeah. so maybe a good start would be to find a congregation that has a similar ideology to yours, become connected with the leader of that congregation and alternate Sundays where, you know, or or whatever, once a month, everybody from my congregation goes to this congregation and we're all together there. Mm-hmm. And another time in that month, we all go to the other congregation. Nothing changes in terms of what it is that you do, but we become witnesses to one another to see really then where the intersection lies in terms of our mutual truths. And so, you know, that just as an idea could be a way to get people into the same room without compromising on who we are and what we do. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I like that. Um, going to be going to be tough. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight them old Star Wars that don't want nothing to change. <laughs> but that's part of the reason that we're talking about being bold, brothers and sisters, because in order for it to 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 make any difference, in order for any change to happen, you, you're going to upset some people. You know, some some are, some are not going to like it. Uh, and that's OK. And, and, and God willing, they'll come back around. They'll be like, you know what? I really wish I was part of y'all still. Let me come on back. And because we're about reconciliation, <laughs> we say, come on back, baby. We got room at the table for you. Yeah. <laughs> but it takes that kind of willingness to upset the status quo. Um, and I mean, hey, that, I mean, that's almost a line right from your podcast, Steve, you know, to, <laughs> upsetting the status quo. Um, yeah. So so that we can see the changes that we want to see. And, 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 and I, I really appreciate you, Steve, for, for coming on and doing this. Brothers and sisters, I hope you outlined this, this, this framework. Go to steveolsher.com and download his, his, his book, uh, Get the Framework, because it is applicable. It's not just if you want to be an entrepreneur or change your careers. It's really changing the, entire, the entirety of yourself and how you approach life. Um, and, it, and so it has applications for you in terms of how you do this work, how you actually embody this ministry of racial reconciliation and make it a, a daily spiritual practice in your life. In case I see you chomping at the bit. What's up, brother? That's that's, that's right. I want to invite everybody out there. Um, we were talking before and, and, and Steve, I think 
you know, in line with with taking bold steps, we we want to invite our listeners out there. Um, feedback to us. Tell us what what gift you identify in yourself, what vehicle you've chosen to express it and and who are you have you chosen to serve with that gift? What is what is your what in in being a racial heretic and and how you are living into that? And we would love to hear from you um, on a Facebook page, on a website, uh, tweet us at, at tweet at us at racial heresy. Um, whatever it is, we want to hear what is this concrete, right? Bring it down to life and take that bold next step. Uh, tell us what your gift is. Tell us what vehicle uh, you're using and tell us those who you have chosen to serve uh, so that we can get things moving and and be out there with bold action uh, as we're learning today. Yeah, because that's, that's all about the racial heresy movement, you know. So and it's not just this podcast. So log on to the Facebook group. You can go Facebook.com. I mean, well, well, let me tell you the other way. Let me tell you the real way. Now that, now that I've been dragging case, kicking and screaming. This is them being bold reluctantly action. bold. You know, bold action. We now have updated the website. So racialheresy.com slash Facebook. There is an application, brothers and sisters, because we are creating safe space. We want to make sure that there ain't nobody coming into the group trying to um, try troll you or lambast you for your views because we want to, I mean, everybody's going to have questions that they've been afraid to ask. And we want to make sure that this is a safe space that whatever question you have, you can feel free to ask it. So come on to the group, racialheresy.com slash Facebook, and you can join us and, and, and add your contribution so that we can identify what are all of the gifts of the, of, of this movement that you have that, that can be used to live boldly into this work of racial reconciliation that can advance us down the road closer towards the kingdom when, yeah, when we don't have to worship in you know the white church or the black church or the asian church or the whatever church but we can just worship in the church because i rest assured when you get to heaven if you are so fortunate there will be no whites only heaven there will be no blacks only heaven it will just be heaven so you might as well prepare for that now right brothers and sisters until next mm. time I'm Father Jabril thanking you, Steve. You know, um, you know. Let me let me say what what do you have to say to us before before we close out? Yeah, you know, man. I and I appreciate the opportunity to to be here. Uh, and it, look, reality for me is you are the solution to someone else's problem, right? right. And, and that's that's really how I ask you to think about it because there are, there are people who are literally waiting for you to show up in their lives. And if you hold within the gift that you have been given, you're not only doing a huge disservice to yourself, but more importantly to those who are waiting for you. Yeah. So, you know, think about being that first domino and uh, and be willing to drop because there are people who are waiting for you. There are people who are waiting for them and so on and down the line. So be willing to be that first domino and set things in motion. And interestingly enough, a, a domino's black and white there, my friend. Yeah, so how, man. You know, how we like that. <laughs> and, you know, and reality is, you know, some of the people who are waiting for you to show up aren't going to look like you. And yeah. that's just okay. Amen. That's fine. That's fine. Amen. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Again, steveolsher.com, O-L-S-H-E-R, steveolsher.com, or, or liquor.com, you know. You know, we, we are into the spirits, you know. Uh, I serve wine every Sunday, so you, know, you, you can find out more to do with your wine over there. But until next time, I'm Father Jabril. And I'm Father Case. Imploring you to risk it all and exercise whatever power, whatever privilege, privilege you have to become a racial heretic. And now here it is, your moment of sin.
Bill Maher's never walked in my shoes, nor any black man's shoes. And I've even said in the quote, just in the interview that I did about him, just just because you've been with a black woman or two, uh, that 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 now you live the black experience. Oh, now you're down. No. Be careful when you make statements like that, because I really don't care what you think. What what I care about is when Bill Maher says something like that, he has a segment of America's ear. So when he says that, that's okay for somebody at home to go. That's right. So, so that, that hurts me. Not hurts me, me. It hurts me for our culture. I just don't see any reason for a white person to audibilize this word. It does not have a mixed history in our mouth. Whatever one says about whether black folks should use a version of the word, that's a black discussion. But the history of this word in our mouths is not ambiguous. And Bill Maher should know that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Racial Heresy. Be sure to visit our website, racialheresy.com, to post your questions, comments, and feedback, and to share your own stories of life as a racial heretic. Want to hear more? You can find past episodes of Racial Heresy on iTunes and the Racial Heresy website. Want to hear even more? Invite Racial Heresy to speak at your conference, council, church, training, or event. Email us at ebonyandivory at racialheresy.com or visit our website for information on speaking engagements.